What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondevold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people who have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This episode, we feature Christian Lee, a comic, podcaster, and dad. I met Christian on another podcast I sometimes do called Art House Legends, all about movies. It was cool to catch up with him as we covered his stand-up career, adopting two kids, then having two more within two years, the multiple projects he's got going on, and how everyone can be a little bit more ambitious. Make sure to check out his YouTube channel, Dad Sews, where he attempts all kinds of sewing projects, and his podcast, Dad Does Rom-Coms, where he and another dad watch, review, and discuss rom-com movies. I'll have all his links in the show notes. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. I think you're still doing stand-up here and there. No, I, I stopped getting up on stage. I, I will do benefit shows or charity shows for adoption groups and adoption agencies. Right, okay. But the reason I stopped going and doing stand-up like five or six nights a week was because we adopted uh, siblings, a brother and a sister. And, uh, the boy was five and the girl was three at the time when we adopted them. And when you adopt, you have to spend as much time as you can with them to kind of, it's like when a baby needs to latch to its mother right after birth, it's the same thing. You have to spend this time and uh, it's this bonding time with them. It's really key. So I didn't want to go off every night when I could get those extra minutes there and be gone for the weekends and things like that. So I immediately kind of came off of the road and spent all the time. And then my focus was how do I change to spend more time at home, but still have an outlet for all of the stupid thoughts in my head (laughs) and, you know, do something that excites me uh, during the, the day, the week, whatever. Uh, because I need that. I need something that excites me. Uh, obviously, getting two kids all of a sudden after you've been married for 16 years, that's plenty of stimulus. Right. But, you know, it's its not like I could uh, tell jokes to my three-year-old and she understood what the heck was going on. So No, I don't, I don't think that... I don't think it would be an easy crowd, at least. It would be, a, right. <laughs> that would, that would be a pretty hard. I mean, they'll laugh, but they don't know why. Right, they exactly. Go, I think I'm supposed to laugh right now. It's like, yes. You would just have to work on your uh, physical comedy at that point, right? Yes, a lot of physical comedy. Um, but mostly it was just, you know, getting used to two other uh, uh, human beings. I'm going to call them human beings, which is being nice, <laughs> because that's that stage they were just animals. And um, it was just getting you know, used to each other. It's, it's funny when we first adopted, we brought the kids home every, every weekend, I guess, to spend a couple of days with us. Okay. So we would drive three hours away because that's where they were. They were near DC and we we're in Southern Virginia. Okay. So we would drive three hours one way, get them. We were going to like dentist appointments with them in the middle of the week. It, it was ridiculous. Uh, they had us jumping through so many hoops and then we'd bring them back for a day or two days. And the first time we brought him overnight, I, I had to give my kids baths. And so my son-to-be, he's not even my son yet. Right. He's five years old. I, I, I get the bathtub filled up and I'm like, do, do you know what you're doing in there, man? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, 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 I'm good. I was like, okay, I'll see you. So I put some toys in there. I call, I mean, this is, I'm a, per, I'm, I'm a person. I'm not a dad. Right, right, right. I'm a right. person to him. 
uh, I, I'm a, a new person. I'm white. He's not. There's a lot of differences yeah, going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm seeing him naked, which he's been told his whole life. That's a no-no. Um, so I feel awkward. It's I don't a lot at once, does. isn't it? Yeah. So I just close the door and I wait. And like a half an hour later, I was thinking the water's getting cold, you know? <laughs> so I just yell through the door. Are you okay in there? He's like, yeah, I'm great. All right. <laughs> you haven't drowned yet. You're all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another 10 or 15 minutes go by and he just, you know, kind of very softly just says, are you going to wash me? Oh no. I was like, oh yeah, buddy. That's, that's what do you know what you're doing covers all of those yeah. things. So, I guess you so got to be I a little more. In and, right. And then he's got some strange guy going boom, boom, boom. Oh you wow. Know? Yeah. I guess you got to be a little more specific with them, huh? Yes. Yes. I've learned to be very specific (laughs) with him still. Um, He's 14. Very specific. That's great. Uh, So Uh, yeah, that's the thing about adopting kids that are older is, you know, I didn't adopt a teenager that knows all this stuff. Luckily, that wasn't already a jerk to me. He at least (laughs) pretended to like me. And, you know, it was, it was interesting kind of wading through those waters as a new parent. Right, right, right. Because before that, so you said you were married for 16 years. 16. Uh, you know, you've, you had your life as a comic at that point and everything just kind of flips around, right? For the five years before that, I'd really started traveling a lot. So uh, it's funny. My wife had always wanted children and I could not have cared less about having kids. I mean, I didn't want them. And I kept saying, why should we have ungrateful kids and pay for their college when we could just have a trip to Europe, man? I mean, this is going to be better. But there was this thing nagging at her. She wanted to have kids. She wanted to have kids. Finally, she got to the point where she's like, I don't even need to have kids anymore. And that's when I suggested that we adopt. And she's like, don't screw with me. And I'm like, I'm not. I said, because here's the thing. We've got two empty bedrooms. It's a shame that we don't. Okay. That there are kids in foster care. That's garbage. And then we found out that they split siblings up so early. My son was five. My daughter was three, but I had kidney problems. So they probably would have split them by the time he was eight just to get her into a good home. Right. So we're like, all right, well, why don't we take siblings, you know? Um, but I came up with this idea after I did a trip from Virginia. I flew to LA, Okay. Uh, did three or four shows at the Improv, did a recorded TV set at the uh, Ice House in Pasadena, flew back to Virginia. We drove up to Boston, did a Boston comedy festival. Came back, hit a club in Pennsylvania, hit a club in Maryland, Jeez. hit a club the next night in Virginia. So, I don't know. In seven days, I hit both coasts and did nine shows. Uh, I, and and that's when I decided, hey, let's adopt, and uh, or at least ran it by her because you were just um, over the the fact that you did no, so much in that little bit of time. Or no, I really enjoyed it. It's just it's weird. I can't really explain it. I. I also started comedy later and I wish I had just started earlier, but sure. you know, I got married early and you, you don't think it, when you don't live in LA, uh, New York, Chicago, uh, even parts of Atlanta where I was born, like you just don't think that that's really a career option. Right. And by the time I did, it was later. I was very happy. I could have done that forever, but just something kept nagging me about coming home to a house with just my wife and staring at those two empty bedrooms and thinking that there was something 
that we could do. And I, honestly, I, I could have gone the comedy route and been happy. Would I have been huge? Probably not because just of my age and my location, we would have had to have moved eventually, right? Uh, which I was willing to do. Um, it wasn't that. It was just at two points. Uh, I guess at the same point in my life, two things were hitting. Yes, I wanted to make that happen. But two, I felt guilty because we had not excess, but we had the ability to do something and put our money and our time where our mouth was. And I, I get really tired of people that don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my wife and I met in Bible college. So I, I've always been surrounded by people in church going, well, this is how things should be. And this is how you should do things. And not seeing any of those right. people do things that way. <laughs> you know, my dad was a minister. I saw plenty of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. This is how you should do things. Well, why don't you do it when nobody's <laughs> looking? So I, I grew up with that. And I just thought, I don't know. I, I just feel a little, a little bit guilty that we have the ability to, you know, help. Right. About these kids. And that's what we did. I'm making myself sound like an angel. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, but really it, it wasn't to fill a hole for us. And, okay. and that's why I told my wife, you know, now's the time to do it because now we're doing it a hundred percent for them. Like, sure. Yeah, we're yeah. all in for the right reason. It's not because she has a hole to fill. It's not that I want that. I'm actually probably giving up something I was thinking at that time, but it was just a, it was bigger than us. Right. I think it's interesting because the the folks that usually get married really young have a reason to like kids. Like you yeah. <laughs> you have you have a family that you're just like, "Oh yeah, I guess I should like marry. I guess I should like foster the the whole family experience." And then you had a whole life before you got to that point where you're just like, "Well, I like what I'm doing with comedy and I, I have this idea of a career." But let's go ahead and actually do something more meaningful, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, saying it now, it's stupid. You're <laughs> right. I made a poor choice. I made a really bad choice. And the thing is, my wife had just gotten a thyroid surgery right before we had the kids. And she had always been told, there's nothing physically wrong that we can find. You, you just, sure. you're not getting pregnant. And she had the surgery, a tumor removed on her thyroid right before we adopted the kids. And within a year, we had a child. So we had we went from zero to three kids in a year. That's the thing. That's, zero to three kids. Yeah, that is... Uh, that and is, I didn't even like the one that was born to us. <laughs> Complete a-hole. So, um, and then she was on antibiotics two years later and it destroyed her birth control. And I said, that's your fault. You should know that. Four kids. So I'm four kids in. And three years, four kids. That's a little rough, yeah. I feel like. Uh, yeah, I should have stuck with the mic. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you, you never know. Like, uh, So you, you only did stand-up for a little bit then, because um, recording at the, the Ice House, that's still kind of like the, not, not the, the highest level, but it's like right on that bubble where you get a little bit more exposure. A comic can go for 10 years and nobody knows who they, right. nobody knows who they are. It, it, you really have to hit just right. And even if you're in New York and LA, and I know guys that are, and I know guys that you might know their names. I know a lot of guys that came up when I was doing it, uh, right for shows. Uh, one of my friends that hosted shows in Boston 
has an Emmy for writing on John Oliver's show. That's crazy. And he left that to another show. So, you know, and, and I celebrate those guys. I love it. I love to share their stuff online. Just go, oh my gosh, we were doing comedy in a pizzeria in Boston. This is right, great. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, I would have moved. We were looking to move to Boston and it was so expensive and other things. So my life could have gone three different ways. And honestly, the odds are against you. You're that people are not going to find who you are. You might eke out a good life as a road comic. There are thousands of road comics that you don't know that work 50 weeks a year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, 50 weeks a year, Friday through Sunday. And they make an okay living, you know, but you, 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 you're going for that gold ring, of course. You yeah. Know, you want New York, LA, that kind of stuff. So I, I just went a different route. I don't know why. Just something hit me. I came back from that trip and I was like, this is great. I love it. And yet there's something else I felt I, I needed to do. I can't really explain it, but. Well, okay. So that's, I think that's interesting. And then at the, the crux of it, you said four kids in basically two or three years, right? Yeah. Three, three and a half. Yeah. Okay. I don't like that. that. It's, that is just insane to me. Yeah. Cause then you have, you still have to kind of wrap your, your mind around having still that creative itch, like what you talked about earlier. And being able to express that. So was there a thought process to try to get the kids involved with that or try to figure out kind of what you want to do for the next step? Well, I know your your podcast, you like to talk about work balance. Now, I don't subscribe to this guy. (laughs) I'm not saying I watch everything he does, but I was flipping through the channels one day and I fell on the documentary about him. And it was Tony Robbins, so just stay with me. But anyway, I, if people like him, that's great. If they don't, I don't really care. Right. He has big banana fingers and hands, whatever. <laughs> so I was listening to him, and he, somebody from the audience said, you know, what do you do about work-life balance? And he just looked at him and said, work-life balance is bullshit. Yeah. It's not real. You can't achieve it. And I was like, okay. He said, my wife works here. My daughter works here. My son works here. All of them work with him. And I was already putting that into motion when I heard that. It it just kind of made me giggle because it is. It's bullshit. I mean, to say that you can allot a certain time for your family and a certain time for your work, and especially if you're trying to be creative. I mean, hell, I wake up at 3 a.m. with a joke in my head. I wake up now. I used to write it on a pad. Now I put it in my phone. I put in a joke to my phone. I might not go back to sleep. Maybe I do, but I've learned that I've got to write that down because you convince yourself I'm going to remember it tomorrow. You will not remember it tomorrow. So even now I'm writing jokes and I imagine I'll go back on stage uh, eventually and just, just to do it for me. And if nothing else, just because I enjoy doing it, but I started hosting a podcast with my son and we've taken a break for a couple of years because of his schooling and sports sure, and things yeah, like yeah. that. But it's called the What Are We Watching podcast. They're all on YouTube. And, you know, my my son was able to interview a TV star from his favorite Nickelodeon show, The Thundermans. Uh, we spent one Thanksgiving just for an hour. And this was before everybody was doing the Rona yeah, you know, yeah, chat yeah. online. Yeah. I was doing it a few years ago just through contacts and comedy People I know in the blogging world and the dad blogging world, because I kind of got into that. And I'd call somebody like, hey, do you know this guy's agent? Do you know this? And, you know, we sat for an hour and talked to Chris Tallman, who's a stand-up comic and on the Nickelodeon show. My daughter loved the PBS show Odd Squad. 
And there's this character, Miss O. She's the smallest uh, kid on the set at the time. And she was the boss of this like CIA men in black agency. Sure, okay. So we chatted with her for a while and she got to go to school and say, I talked to the girl from Odd Squad. Nobody believed her. Right, she's of like, course teacher, not. put YouTube on the smart board, <laughs> you know, and a boom. And she was in that movie Wonder and all the kids had to read that book. That's got to be so a she, flex. You know, tons yeah. of street cred. Yeah. yeah. Big flex. So I was able to do that. I started Dad Sews. The, the way Dad Sews started was because of the babies, actually. I thought my wife had told me at one time she wished she knew how to sew. Okay. That might be how she said it. I thought she said, I want to learn how to sew. Okay. okay so that's, that's a little misinterpretation yeah, depending yeah. on how you're... And I'm, gonna, I'm willing to go with her on her memory on that <laughs> one. So when she was pregnant with the first child, with my son, Oliver, I bought a sewing machine and any woman that's listening to this right now is about to pull out her headphones and scream. So <laughs> warning. Okay. Uh, inadvertent misogyny. Uh, so I bought a sewing machine. And I said, Oh, well, you're going to have all that time off for maternity leave. You can learn to sew then all that time off. Yeah. That yeah. was my mistake. So, uh, <laughs> nine months later, that was still sitting in the corner and I was running a, a dad blog at the time. And I had a, a podcast that we just did as a trial run called Screaming Dads. I did with another dad where we just screamed about our kids. That's it. I like it. Uh, very narrow focus. And I said, wouldn't it be great if I tried to sew something and it went wrong and I just destroyed the machine? That'd make a, a quick video, like a good two-minute sure, video. Yeah, yeah. And then it just sat and marinated in my brain over a Christmas break one time. And I said, Oh, I could go bigger than that. And immediately I bought Dad Sews, the domain. I did I did sew something with the machine. It did go wrong. And then my oldest two children and I recreated the scene from Office Space where they destroy the fax machine yeah, with the bats. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. We did it shot for shot. I didn't have a moving crane camera. That's the only difference. Okay, okay. But we did it shot for shot. And you can check that out on Dad Sews. So it's funny. one of my first videos. And it's in the intro to most of my videos, pieces of it. And that was a blast. And I, I'm mad because being one of my first videos, it's got one of the lowest views. And it's the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, it's got the original song. I didn't care about making money on the video. Just sure, yeah, go yeah. watch it. Go watch it. We're very proud of that still. And then I started sewing stuff. But here's the problem with sewing videos is they never show mistakes. They just show you how to sew something. Right. And I really was angry about that because I was making mistakes. I was 38 years old and trying to sew, and that's all I was doing. So my motto on Dad Sews is sew, fail, repeat, and I show every mistake. And I only sew things for the first time on camera. I don't practice. Oh, that's perfect. So anything I sew is for the very first time. And if I make a mistake, you see it, and then I have to fix it. And sometimes that takes longer than sewing it. So. Uh, you know, that's what we do. And I've involved the kids and I've done stuff at their school and taught kids. We've had a, a pretty long break because we had just started a new season right before the Rona. Okay. And then our studio, which I basically have built out a TV studio in my house. And it got taken over by distance learning for three oh, kids yeah, and yeah. my wife in college. So yeah, we're just getting ready to come back hopefully in the next month. So that'll be good. So check out Dad Sews. Getting ready to have a new season. That's Fantastic. Uh, lots of stuff to watch. So do you think that you took what you learned by doing comedy and like that that network to prepare you for those shows? Yeah, definitely. 
Because if my sh- if I'm not somewhat funny in my sewing video, I don't want to do it. Okay. I mean, I just don't. If I, it's funny, you know, you'll be watching a video and maybe you want to learn how to fix the kitchen sink. And you see, you go to a video and a guy talks to you for like three minutes and you're like, I just wanted to know how to fix the tube, man. Right. And I feel that way too. Yet my videos, I will yap at you at the beginning of it. But I always say the word dad comes before so's on mine. Mine isn't handyman.com. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mine isn't quicksewingtips.com. It's dad sews. So I'm going to talk about being a dad. I'm going to explain why I did this project. I'm going to showcase my kids probably wearing it because my wife doesn't want to be on camera. <laughs> so, and I'm going to sew stuff like a skateboard sling for my son that I self-drafted that doesn't exist like because that's something we need. And it's cool. I decided to do a hammock where other people are just doing dresses and things like that. You know, I decided to do a video where it looks like I'm pulling sewing equipment out of a magic bucket that never ends. Sure. Things like that. Like, I'm just going to... I'm going to do something that fits me, not me as a brand, but me as a dad. Sure. Yeah. Do you feel like you found your voice doing some of these videos? Yeah. I think if you rolled everything together, so we did, what are we watching? What that sprang from is I love mystery science theater. And so I obviously talked to the TV. You can't do that online because of rights and copyrights and things like that. Uh, That's why the guys from Mystery Science Theater created Riff Tracks. I'll give a plug for somebody that I don't make money from. And you can download their Riff Tracks and then sync them up to new movies. And that's that's awesome. It's the same guys that did that. Yeah, it's amazing. So I would sit and complain about movies to my kid, these Nickelodeon movies, and talk about how garbage they were. (laughs) And he was like, you know, you're kind of a jerk. (laughs) I was like, yeah. So what are we watching on YouTube? Uh, That was just us having watched a show and then me complaining about it and him trying to justify how good it is. So that got the snarkiness out. Okay. Dad so's got some of just learning a new trade or a new craft out. Yeah. I have a podcast we started this year and it's called Dad Does Rom-Coms. And I do that with another dad who's a writer, director, and filmmaker in LA. And so we just talk about rom-coms and what we like about them. But also, rom-coms are always aimed at women. Sure, yeah. 99% of rom-coms are aimed at women. And so I like to watch it from a dad's perspective of, uh, what are these sleazy guys doing? Like One of the questions we ask at the end of the podcast is, would I want this to happen to my daughters? You know, I have two daughters, and I think I wouldn't want any of the stuff that happens in half of these rom-coms happening to my daughter, and I don't want her idolizing these these characters of this type yeah. of movie, or my sons. I don't want my son playing that game to get the girl, you know, where he's stringing her along, or, or my daughter feels like she has to do a makeover to get the guy. Right. Like, all of these are kind of gross to me as a dad, so watching them from a dad's perspective is very interesting because, yeah, I enjoy the movie and, yeah, it can be funny. And I've really liked some of the movies that we watch, but our rating system is based on these questions about being a dad. And we've had movies get like a, a three out of 25. That's fantastic. That I like. It's a fine movie. It's filthy. It's hilarious. Whatever it is. But I'm like, oh, none of this is good for people. <laughs> like, this isn't... And, and it's art and that's fine and it's subjective. But... There have been women over the years that have talked about how reading Cosmo and watching 
these movies has and the TV shows has all led them to believe, oh, I need to look this way. I right, need to put this right. much money into my makeup. I need to find a guy that does this. Or all of the movies that are bad guys are good. You know, like, oh, I need a guy to treat me that way. And it's like, no, 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 no. I don't want my daughter thinking any of this stuff. Right, right, right. Um, and I don't want my sons acting that way either. It's not just gender bias one way or the other. So that's what I talk about. And sometimes my wife joins me the podcast to give that perspective and it's a lot of fun. So I think if you roll the stuff together, it doesn't give me work-life balance, but you can kind of see me as a whole person yeah, yeah, yeah. between all of these uh, projects. Got it. I like it. And yeah, you don't want to have kind of like watch 50 shades and be like, yeah, that's what I want my son or daughter to grow up in. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, I think you're confused about what a rom-com is, but yes. Yeah, good enough, yeah. right? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a rom-dom. Oh, okay, a rom-dom. All right. Jokes, people. That's funny, because that's that's also how you pronounce some like Muay Thai fighters, so that's also fun. So There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just smacks you in the mouth either way. <laughs> so it it's it's also funny, because like, as I've gotten older, uh, I look around and be like... Why are you dressed like that in public? Uh, like, there's there's other stuff. Like, where is your parent? Like, why are you doing that? Like, who let you out of the house? And it's same on both sides. It's like, what? Yeah. How are you yeah, acting girl, like that? Yeah. Matter. No, no, no. But honestly, I see people my age now, and I think, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Right. I mean, I know what I look like, and I know I'm on the bottom end. But I see people my age. I'm like, where'd you learn that? Because I grew up the same time as you. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Right. You can only <laughs> go with so many affliction t-shirts and ripped jeans. So there's Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so yeah. that's uh yeah, that's fun. Um how did you compare I guess you didn't really you're not able to really compare the basically the you have the three and the five year old and then you go straight to an infant. Like you didn't learn anything about raising the three and five year old that would probably translate over to the 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 babies, right? From our first kids, we didn't learn anything. I've always been around babies, so I've changed babies and okay. you know, dealt like worked in nurseries at churches and stuff when I was a kid, things like that. My wife, they had uh, a thousand people in her family. Okay. You know, like just Catholic rabbits. So um, <laughs> There were lots of babies around. I've always enjoyed babies. I've I've always been a smell the baby guy. And that's not creepy. It is. It's a don't, little creepy. Don't judge me. Yeah. It's not creepy. My daughter, the, the last one we had, she had no baby smell. And it bothered me so much. And I was like, my daughter is of the devil. <laughs> and then in between her ages of two and four, I'm it was cemented she's of the devil. Um, I've called her all of the words. That's funny. And um, but yeah, I, I we it wasn't that big a deal. I yes, we had to figure out the whole terrible twos and all sure, that kind yeah. of stuff, which is a lie. It's two, three, and with her four, she's just coming out of it now. We've had three years of hell with her. <laughs> um, she thinks she's a princess because we call her that, and that was our mistake. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> it turns out princesses rule places. Um, so that's a mistake. Yeah, we had to learn some stuff and it's been different, but we also got a five-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl, one with kidney problems, one that had seen things that he shouldn't see in yeah. the house he grew yeah. up in. Uh, my son was starved for about a year of his life, so he would hide food and put it in a pillowcase. And if anybody thinks, oh, don't talk about that, we've talked about it because 
we talk about adoption and why people should do it and the things that cause it to happen. Um, so my kid's grandmother is deaf and she adopted 28 deaf kids from around the world. Wow. 28 different, from all different countries. She was in one of the Eastern Bloc countries. She's deaf. They know it. The judge is there to preside over whether she gets to take this kid home. And he says right to the lawyer beside her, why would she want one of these kids? You know, they're just stupid. Oh, God. Because the kid's deaf. She's deaf. She's standing right there. Right. And she can read the list. She got the kid. Thank goodness she got the kid. And sign language. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of her daughters is the mother to my kids. Uh, Funny thing is, my kid's mother is real life gypsy from. Uh, South America. That's awesome. A real life gypsy became deaf. They kicked her out, like literally just tossed her out of the caravan, said, ah, that's too much work. Right. She got into the foster system and then, you know, she had too much stuff to work out. So things happened and my kids ended up in the foster care system. And now we're hoping to break the cycle. Right. I don't know if I'm doing it. (laughs) My (laughs) oldest has probably got the worst of it from me at least. So we'll see. We'll cross our fingers. If if just one of them, we break the cycle with one of them, we've done good. Yeah, I think we're, so. I think so. Yeah, we're yeah. in the positive. That's so it's it's a process. It's a different process for the babies than it is with them. But you know, whatever. I I really don't. It doesn't make a difference to me either way. The the, the only thing about adoption that's the biggest problem, especially if you adopt older kids from foster care, is. And I don't know how much language to use on this, but go for it. You, I don't you, care. you talk to your wife and you say, is he doing this because he's five? Is he doing this because he's an asshole? Right. Or is he doing this because he's adopted? And you don't know. Yeah. You just yeah. don't know because there's those, you know, you just don't know some of the past stuff that is driving some of the behavior. Right. And I'd say based on most kids, it's just because they're assholes. <laughs> um, but you just kind of deal with it. And there are certain behaviors that happen with adopted kids that repeat themselves over and over. And it's consistent across the board, even with kids that get adopted at one or two, that you don't think it affects them. Sure. There is something deep within that, that, that brain, that heart, that soul that feels um, let go of or tossed away. There's something there, even in that brain of somebody that doesn't even know how to say colors or shapes that they feel a loss and that loss can follow them through. I've talked to people that were adopted as an infant, like, I mean, right after the, and they've had some of the exact same problems that are tied with people that were adopted out of foster care as teenagers. So that discarded feeling. It's strange. Yeah. There's something there and they didn't know. I'm talking about somebody that didn't know they were adopted. Wow. Adopted as an infant right out of the hospital. Found out they were adopted at like 20, but growing up had the exact same problems that kind of correlate to adoption. I mean, you know, everybody's different and all depends on how you look at the data, but there do seem to be some significant markers. So, so you just kind of roll with it. Right. Did you do a lot of research beforehand? We did. We did more than some, less than others. We also had to take a class. Right. Uh, we used a service that was a go-between between the foster care system and us. So we kind of had somebody that had our backs, barely, but you know, somebody that would speak up for us as well. Um, 
it's different in every state. Some counties and states are different. It's really nuts. So I encourage people to adopt from foster care. Yeah. Look, when I had my daughter, I didn't want her. I'll be honest. <laughs> it was a surprise that nobody was happy about. And I was like, we could sell this white baby for a lot of there money. There you go. And especially if we got some good looking people to pose as her parents. <laughs> Um, I'm talking like very high-end BMW money. Um, not that that's what I would have spent it on. So, but foster care kids, you don't have to spend a lot of money to adopt from foster care. Yes, they've got issues, but I'm telling you, those babies have issues too. White babies are expensive. White female babies are the most expensive. <laughs> and people are going overseas to get all these kids. And we have thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids in foster right, care right. that every night are saying a prayer that says, I just want my own mom and dad. So, you know, get it together, people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm pretty hard on, I'm pretty hard on that. Like if, if you're not adopting, that's fine. It's not meant for everybody. You should be sending some money to an adoption agency. So Google adoption agencies and write them a five or $500 check, whatever. But if you're not helping in some way, I have a problem. So put that on your Christmas tree list of things to do. I like it. I like it a lot. When you're looking at your your family, you have, like what you said, you have the, the biracial family in there. So did you get any kind of um, back, not backtrack. Um, I don't know how to use words. I got you. Yeah. Um, I, I don't go into specifics about uh, people, but we did get backlash from family members. And we, I, I quickly said, um, hey, you accept them like they came out of my wife or we won't be family yeah. anymore. That was it, 100%. Um, definitely dealt with that. Uh, we do get weird looks. I, or used to, you know, every year it gets better. Uh, but when I was first chasing kids around the park, first of all, dads get looks at parks. Right. And I know everybody's going to be like, boo-hoo, white guy complaining about, hey, a white guy standing in a park when you, there's a bunch of moms that don't know which kid is his, we get looks. Yeah. If I'm holding a camera, I have had people walk up to me and say, who's your kid? Which one are you taking pictures of? Um, that makes sense. It's assumed you're a pedophile right. for being a guy at a park. And I get that it happens, but it doesn't happen to the number uh, that people think it does to walk up to guys and ask them that. I was worried sometimes about fussing at my son who's black and somebody saying, hey, what are you doing to that kid? And I'm like, he's my son. Right, right, right. I would have fussed at the white one the same way. So, <laughs> you know, I we definitely deal with that. I did used to do a horrible thing with my son. And I we've talked about it now as he got older. And he's like, no, I get that it was funny. It was funny, but we can't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, we would go to the park, and when I had Oliver, who was very, uh, very white, very Aryan-looking <laughs> child, um, I would tell Carlin, uh, my older, my oldest son, who's black, and I would say, "Hey, go take him to the van. I'll go get your sister." And then after he got a certain distance away, I would just yell really loud, "Hey, come back with my white baby!" And then I realized I live in Virginia. It's an open carry state. I'm gonna get my son shot. Yeah, don't do that. Day. Yeah, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> We only did it a couple of times. It's funny though. Um, and so, yeah, now going through all the BLM stuff, I yeah. mean, it, there's definitely conversations. It's funny that we were traveling 
my oldest son and I traveled to New Hampshire to the top of Mount Washington a month and a half ago to, to buy a motorcycle that I found online. And we came back through New York City the night that they started setting everything on fire and they oh, wow. started the eight o'clock curfew. It took us an hour to go one mile because right. 95 cuts through New York City for a little bit where you get on the, the bridge. And yeah, that's all we talked about up and back. A 24-hour trip, that's all we talked about was all of the Black Lives Matter stuff and you know both sides, uh, who was saying what, why they were saying it, whether this side was justified on this, whether that side was justified. Um, and, and just the way that people being raised in a certain area or uh, a certain way affect their views. And, you know, I don't want him to think everybody's against him. Right. That's what I right. don't want him to think. But as a dad of a biracial black slash South American, just, you know, He's beautiful, but he has to realize that there are some people that make assumptions based on what he looks like, and he could be in danger based on that. And it's not fair, and it sucks, and he has to react to police differently, and it's all to protect himself and to protect his life. So, yeah, it's tough conversations. My daughter, uh, also biracial, she has only wanted to be a cop since she was three years old. We have written a children's book series that we're working on getting published about her becoming a police <laughs> officer. And, and now, who knows what's going to happen right. with that book. But we wrote that when she was a little younger together, and that's all she's ever wanted to be. I want to be a police, she used to say, a police. And she still does. She, she has an honorary badge from um, a county near me that had a, a black chief of police, a black female chief of police. That's fantastic. And she became an honorary detective. She went on a real case. There was a break-in. She helped them fingerprint the glass. I mean, it was crazy. (laughs) They were like, oh, you want to be a cop? Awesome. Let's get in the squat car. (laughs) She rode up front. She's flipping the cherries on. You know, it was great. And so you have to, you have to take all of that information yeah. in. And yes, I have the privilege of having my side, getting to see their side and getting to bring it all together. And so it, it comes with some interesting conversations for sure. But I will say this, I've grown up in the South mm-hmm. and I, I've been in the North. I've done comedy there. I've worked there. I have friends from there. And everybody really loves to rag on the South. and. We're in New Hampshire, and my son starts looking around. He goes, we went into a Walmart right after we picked up this motorcycle. Uh He goes, I think I'm the only black guy in this Walmart. I was like, you're the only black guy in this state. (laughs) What are you talking about? Um, And it was funny. Right after we got back from New Hampshire, I was looking up numbers because I was just curious because he was the only black guy in New Hampshire. And I read a Reddit story where they asked, uh, they said, you know, black Redditors, where is the place you dealt with the most racism? And it wasn't Alabama. It wasn't Georgia. New Hampshire's the one that came up. And multiple, I mean, tens to hundreds of black Redditors would say, oh, I've never heard the N-word so much as in New Hampshire. People would stop on the street to roll down the window and yell it at me and then go. And they were like, I've I grew up in Alabama and lived there and I never dealt with racism. Like that is nuts. I'm not calling out New Hampshire. I actually liked it. And we want to go back and do some trail <laughs> riding. 
I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that it's not always the places you think. Yeah. It's not always the people you think. And when people grow up in one city and never leave and don't fly across country or drive 20, what did I do? 29 hours to do a comedy show in Idaho um, and then drive back immediately afterwards. You, you don't see all of the different areas and the different ways people treat each other. So I do get a little bit of an interesting perspective having biracial kids and traveled the way I did. And, and I was, um, I worked Urban clubs, which is a white people code for we don't want to say black right. rooms, uh, which are are basically black comedy rooms, and I always did great there because I've never I've never acted differently either way. You always to, came off you know, genuine because you were genuine. It didn't change where I was. I'm gonna be me either way. Now you can hate me in both places, <laughs> but it's gonna be me. And you know, I always had a blast, and it always worked out for me. That's that's fantastic. It was funny. I went to Syracuse a few years ago and I was like, the further north I get, the more white people there are. And I don't know if I feel like because I I was born or not born. I was born in the Philippines, but I was raised fully multicultural pot down right. in Maryland. And there's there's so many different people around here. And then I just go further north and there's just a lot of white people up there. Just way too many. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't feel safe. Like if I don't see any kind of like diversity in there, I don't know what to what to do and what to talk about either. It's so funny when, you know, people and and it's fine. I mean, the south has the the issues the south has. Um, but every time I'm like, "Oh, you you live in Virginia, isn't that just full of rednecks and NASCAR?" I was like, "I think the number 2 state for NASCAR is Pennsylvania." Right. So I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. But that's like half of the drivers come from there and half of the fans as well. So you know, let's pull back on that. No, it, it's bad. And it's bad every place, yeah. you know, and it's just like there's different issues with every uh, area you visit. My wife and I were in San Diego a couple of years ago and the homeless uh, situation in California is so ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. And the reason it's that way is because the temperature can support you know, living in tents and stuff. But I, if you've been to California past three years and now, right now, it's really bad because of the unemployment. But even two years ago, it's just every overpass, there's tents on it and under right. it. Everyone. And I don't mean like, oh, a handful. I meant everyone. If there is a quarter of the green space for a football field, there's tents in it. No joke. Um, and my wife and I were just driving through and going, man, what's the deal? You know, it was just heartbreaking. And then out of a tent, a, a, a boy, our son's age at the time, walked out. He was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. He walks out of this tent and grabs something and goes back in. And he's living under an overpass downtown in the city. And we both started bawling yeah, yeah, in, yeah. The, in the car. And we're like, what should we do? We need to do something. Like, do we give money? Do we find somebody? And, and, does anybody know there's a kid in there? Like we're very worked out. I mean, we're like real sure, yeah. both of us. And then we go a block and there uh, a, a police car passes us. And a block later is the police department. And I was like, Oh, they know he's there. Yeah. Like they all know that there's a kid in that tent and like, there's n- nothing. I mean, we can give money and we were happy to do that. 
uh, whether it goes the right way or not, it, you know, what are you going to do? Right. You can't control. So it's like the only thing we could control at that point. But, but what do you do? The system is, if not the system being broken, it's not working out for those people. Sure. Yeah. You can believe both sides of both political part, but somewhere in the system, there's cracks and be it uh, mental health issues, drug issues, whatever it is that got the mom that we also saw in that tent in that situation. I don't know. And I'm sure willing to pass blame along to all parties, the person involved and all that. The kid deserves none of it though. Right. So that kid has been failed somewhere by the system, either not getting put in foster home, not getting put in foster care, not being helped. There's something wrong there. And it just breaks your heart and you can only do so much. So, you know, adopting the two we did, that's that's where we could, yeah. you know, put our, our backs into it, I guess. Yeah, that's two lives that you can touch and, and potentially save, right? Or at least change well, the, the I mean, trajectory, you get, right? You want to be careful. I'll be honest. You always want to be careful about the save yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Because, and I'm not pointing figures or anything. It's a word that gets used like just quickly. And man, who knows? I might be doing the worst for them. <laughs> you know, it might be going the wrong way. Maybe they should have picked somebody. Up. I know they interviewed hundreds of parents for these two children and they ended up with us wow. for multiple reasons. Okay. My wife knew sign language. I think we used the word consistent about a thousand times in the interview <laughs> process. And we were interviewed with eight people on one side of a table and us on the other for like two hours, just railing That's crazy. us um, with questions over and over again. And would ask us the same question. A different person would ask us a question we'd already answered, but that was their question and they wanted it answered. So we're just like, all right, how else do we answer this question? Let's deep dive into our lives. So. I mean, the, the social worker that did our house study opened the drawer. I had lockers in my bedroom okay. at the time that I'd, that I'd gotten out of the White House, actually. It was kind of fun. And she said, why are there lockers in your bedroom? And I said, well, I just use them for a dresser. Like, that's my underwear. And she goes, well, I'm going to check to see if you're telling the truth. I said, what? Like, <laughs> she dug in my underwear. That's like crazy. it's. So there's really so, like know. no personal space when it comes to that because they're no. trying to get all the, all the dirt on you, right? Yeah, and I've known exactly, but I've known of people that took their classes and became certified to be able to adopt in a certain county. And they're like, hey, do you have a, a bed for the kid yet? And they're like, no, we just got done with our class. Like, well, you need to get one by Thursday because we're we've got a kid for you and they're getting placed in your house. Oh wow. They're like, what? Yep. Yep. You're getting a kid Thursday. That, just a kid. And, not and even the one that you drop like. them yeah, off. Just a kid. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't get to pick ones we liked. <laughs> You know, we, we matched, they matched us right. with them and they thought it was, uh, and there were two boys that we were, um, interested in because they, you know, had issues we thought we could help sure. with. And, okay. But you know, the ones, the ones we got, the ones we got. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Gives, uh, it's a random chance, right? That's, you that's how life is. You don't get is. to choose what comes out the wife. Yeah, exactly. That's how life you is. Know? So that's, that's great. That's, that's funny. Were you more nervous about that panel like did you feel like more third degree on that panel than like bombing a comedy set 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. because i bombed the comedy set i do another one the next right. night it doesn't matter you know i just come back new people boom no you bomb that you don't get your kids yeah, yeah. i mean because we had already they'd shown us a little picture of them and then we were oh, like, oh okay. once you see the picture and they had stopped showing people pictures online of our kids because they were so cute 
they were getting inundated with people. Um, so they, they pulled their picture off. So we had, we had just got shown this little thumbnail picture. I mean, it was the size of my thumbnail printed out Yeah, and we're like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we're all in. So yeah, that was a way worse crowd. Uh, You know, it had life all now. If I had bombed my set at the ice house, sure, yeah, it was going out on TV. If I had bombed it, it wouldn't gone out on TV, and it did go out to a cable channel that you've never heard of that might not exist anymore. <laughs> um, so I've I never caught my set on TV. I have it on video, but you know, if I had bombed that, that would have bummed me out. I flew to LA to to record right, that. Right. It would have really bummed, but it wouldn't have set me back like you know bombing that meeting. That was the most nerve wracking. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, that that's got to be intense. And the the, it's not really the invasion of privacy. It's just like because they they have to figure out everything about your life to make sure that you're like able to take care of another human, right? Well, and well, if we if they didn't like the answers to our questions, it's because they didn't like us. Okay, like that's you know we were failures at least for that those eight people. Um, it was us. Yeah. It, it, you couldn't say like, oh, they didn't like my outfit or they didn't like the way I said this one thing. No, it was us at core, <laughs> at the core of the people we are. They didn't like if, if we didn't pass that. And my wife and I have been married for 16 years. And I will say this. I wouldn't say we game the system. That is not the truth. But we definitely like know each other well enough. That one of us would be talking and we'd feel one's knee on our leg to say like, yeah, that's cool. Move on. Right. We'd feel like a little tap or a squeeze. Like we definitely were working it out. Like yeah, we didn't plan any of it. It's just a natural yeah, thing yeah, that comes yeah. when you're married that long. Yeah. Like don't. You know, this year we were married 25 years. Congratulations. So, you know, we've been putting in the time. Yeah. 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 Hard time. <laughs> Alcatraz. Like, time. Yeah. Like you, you know, if you're talking too much or she'll know that you're talking too much and be like, hey. Just uh, cut that for a second. It's okay. Like yeah, you, yeah. you got you got the point. It's all right. Yeah, you you get married. You stay married this long by either being really good partners or just by not caring. <laughs> and I know both of those couples. Most of them are. Most of the people we know that got married when we did. I'm gonna say every couple that got married when we did are on to their second or third. Right. So uh, we're going the long haul. Like we actually made it. So, and at this point, I'm not going to divorce her because I don't care. So I've also <laughs> fallen into the other category of like, none of that's worth it. It's just not. Yeah. Like that's more worth than what, or more work than what it's worth. Right. Like there's just a lot of loop, loops that you have to go through and all that. Yeah. You don't want to yeah, do that. It's too much. And plus it, if we got divorced, I would say like, why don't you take a break from the kids? You know, I'll take them. You know, I'll be the guy that takes it for a while. You've had them for between the Rona and between just becoming a full stay-at-home mom for the last three years. Like, you deserve the break. I get I get it. Don't divorce me. Just take a year <laughs> off. Go find yourself. I don't there care. There you go. Eat, pray, love. Yeah, whatever. yeah, that's, that's you know. funny. That'll be a whole other uh, journey for her. Yeah, she can do a podcast about that. How I find myself 25 years into marriage. Well, the the whole work by life balance thing to bring it back to that and to bring it back to all the projects that I yeah. do. Talking to you wouldn't be possible if my wife hadn't taken one of our kids as a way to sleepover. She took the other three upstairs, gave a bath to one, kept her quiet. The other two know them what they need to do. None of the dad sews videos can happen while they're running around my studio. So they go off and, you know, go to parks and things like that. 
none of this can happen without her. Right. It's all only possible <laughs> because of her. So it's not a work-life balance all the time. It is a marriage balance yeah. thing. I'm in front of the camera. I We drove out to Kansas City to have this lunch with a bunch of Dadso's fans. They basically like, they bought lunch and we hung out and shot for fabric. And then we all had lunch together. My wife put all of that together behind the scenes. She didn't get to go to it. She had to watch oh, the no, kids in Kansas no. City. But that's the way it is, you know. It's my face on the animated logo yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know. And and she just does that. And it wouldn't be possible without her. There's no way. Right. And then I, I would assume also you guys are enriching yourself with all the different skills because you have to. Like all the recording stuff as far as audio, video, producing. And then like what you said for her, the behind the scenes organization that is a whole Herculean task by itself. It is. And I mean, you know, I didn't know how to do uh, video editing and after effects and stuff, but getting into comedy, I started doing promo videos. So you learn a little of that stuff. Then you start doing YouTube videos. I mean, I'm a guy that has sewing videos with uh, CGI smoke coming out of the machine and lightning and, and things like that. So, you know, I'm not every episode, but every once in a while, there's going to be special effects. There's going to be a, a little bit of camera trickery and things like that. So you learn all of these skills and, and all of the podcasts, you know, you, you get a sponsor. It doesn't go into your pocket. It goes into a new mixing board. Right. You get, you know, these, this microphone I'm talking to you on, which hopefully sounds great to everybody. It's a very expensive yeah. microphone. <laughs> it's the one that's in all of the radio stations that you listen to. There's, there's two different mics and radio stations. I got the one that's been around since the 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I've got two of them. So that's money. Those are like you know, so five, $600 microphones. They're not cheap. They're, they're, you know, you can get deals on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, they sound good. And I've got a good mixer. Right. I've got HD cameras and, and I've got overhead cameras. I have lights built in. I mean, it is a TV studio. That's crazy. For all intents and purposes. I took my son to a, a news studio once to do a dad. So's kind of remote sure. thing. And he was like, this is just like our stuff, except our stuff's a little bit smaller. I mean, I have a teleprompter in my house that's in front of the camera. I have all of it. Wow. And so he was like, I I thought you were joking when you said you had a TV studio in your house. <laughs> and it's like, no, we've got we got wireless mics, you know, all of it. So it's just you dump the money back in. So it's not like I'm becoming rich off of dad sews or dad does rom coms. Check it out. Uh, but <laughs> it's something that's fun to do and it's exciting and I get to meet fans and my kids get to, you know, meet people and my son operates the camera when I go on remotes for dad. So's he hands out buttons at conventions and uh, you know, it's a, it's a way to get them out there and, yeah. and learning the process when he was 10 because of seeing me do all of this. He said he wanted to start his own business at 10 years old. He started a mowing business. That's amazing. Most kids don't do that until they're 15, 16. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's had loyal customers for years now. He's four years in and he's bought electric guitars, surfboard, uh, a riding lawnmower used. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. He's saving up for a pickup truck that he can expand his business with and a trailer. So that as soon as he's able to drive, he has all the equipment to do it. So that, you know, you're presenting your kids with an image of, of work and having a can-do attitude and 
you know, that whole bootstrap mentality right. of, hey, if you can, if you can figure it out, you can do it. And if you can't figure it out, find somebody who can. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And that's, I, I think that's an important thing. Like you see a whole bunch of the podcasts that are popping up now because of Rona, right? There's, there's so many. Yes. Oh my gosh. We started our right before and I'm like, would you just get drowned yeah. by all of them that have started? And, and every celebrity that didn't have one decided to start yep. one. And of course they're going to get, you know, if, let's see, um, one of my favorite comics, Nate Bargatze. Yeah. Nate Bargatze never wanted to do a podcast, hated doing them, would go on and guest on them, but that's it. And he's like, oh, I guess I'm stuck at home. I get one. This first podcast gets a million. Yeah, that sucks. On yeah. You know, and, and I get that. He's already got the name. Right. He's earned that. He's earned it. But when everybody starts making a podcast because they're stuck at home, you're just like, oh my God. And people would say, hey, why doesn't dad sews? Why didn't you do a sewing tutorial for the masks? Because there, uh, there were a yeah. thousand of them. Yeah. Because the day they said you needed masks, Reddit had, you know, three women that had 300,000 views each. And then it just multiplied. So everybody was at home. People that weren't even doing this started doing it. So yeah, it's, it's tough, but you know, you soldier on. That's why I just, honestly, I did the opposite of what, of a lot, what a lot of people did with dad. sews because the studio was full of learning laptops and there's electric guitars mm -hmm. in here. And my daughter has a bass and all this stuff. My, my wife's in college and I just did the opposite. I was like, I'm just going to take a break. And then when everybody else has to go back to their real life right, right. and realizes that Making videos every single week for four or five years isn't that easy. No. I'll just slide back in comfortably. <laughs> and uh, I took a little hit for a little while, but that's fine. And, you know, we'll just keep on trucking because I know how to do that. Yeah. A lot of people start on YouTube and they get really, really busy for about three months to maybe a year. But Dad Sows is three or four years old at this point, so you just have to keep trucking along. Right, right. And I, I think that's a, a good lesson. There's so many that are popping up, and they're not... I don't feel like a lot of them are even investing in the time to like learn how to do a whole bunch of stuff because there's so many like free platforms on how to do it. Yep. So they can just yeah. get like a their, their phone to record a video. They can get anchor to record through their phone. There's, there's so many different, and it's going to work for some yeah. people. Look, somebody's some of the people that hopped on TikTok, genius. You know, I, I downloaded TikTok. I have it on my phone. I have ideas of things to do. I've got, you know, script, uh, cause people do script TikTok videos, whether you believe it or not, you know, Hey, here's another hint. Reality TV show is scripted. There you go, I'm yeah. just telling you. Um, I know people in the business. <laughs> <laughs> I know cameramen. I know directors. I, I, I do a podcast with one and I've talked to people that have quote unquote acted on them. It's all That's fake. Great. Uh, so TikTok videos are the same way. I talked to one of the biggest TikTok stars because he was in an independent rom-com movie and I just found him through Instagram, not him, but the girl that sure. wrote it and starred in it. And his, her co-star is this huge TikTok star. And he, he came on with a chip on his shoulder, not to us, but he's like, well, people are making fun of TikTok, but, but it takes a lot of work. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I know what it takes. Right, right, right. I, I know that a 30 second video can take seven hours. People do not get it. Yeah. And that's fine. You don't want to know who's making your sauce or how it's made. I get that. 
but I could easily put in four or five hours into a 30 second video. Very easy to do that with all the recording and the editing and special effects and things like that. So yeah, some people jumped on that and they're making big money on TikTok. Yeah, it's insane. And, and it will happen, but 30 million people are trying to do it. Right. And, you know, 300 of them are going to do really well. So. Yeah. And uh, if, if things keep going crazy, you know, that, that app could all be removed in the United States. So yeah, they're trying to do that yeah, now. So who yeah, knows? Yeah. So y- the platforms are ever evolving, right? Well, that's the problem. I'm on YouTube and the reason we stopped doing one of our shows, the reason I didn't even plug the after school show is that last year, YouTube decided to change how children's programming worked. And if you make product that's aimed at kids, which our show was, uh, you, they can't comment on them anymore. Children's okay. show content, you can't subscribe to anymore. You can't click the subscribe button. That's um, weird. Can't check that bell that says, remind me when the show's on. The kid has to know. So things like Ryan, that kid Ryan that opened toys and now has a show on Nickelodeon, oh, yeah, yeah. that never would happen now. My kids love that Ryan kid. I hate him. But it's fine. I hate his parents. Um, I wish death and coronavirus on all of them. And I, you can say I'm saying that jokingly. And if that makes you feel good, awesome. Um, but, I, you know, I'm tired of getting asked to buy Ryan eggs every time I'm in Target. So the, if he, they couldn't start that channel now. Right. It would be impossible. And they are, let me tell you, and when I say multimillionaires, I'm talking about in the tens. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Because that kid made possibly like- hundred million. So. Uh, that dad was awesome. And I, it's so funny. You know, I have family members that are like, hey, why don't you do these unboxing videos? I'm like, oh, the things that have been big for eight years? Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> and then a family member says, uh, hey, why don't you get the kids to do something like this and sends me like a link to a, a, link to a Ryan video? And I'm like, yeah, first of all, you can't anymore. So that's one thing. And second of all, like he scooped it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a girl, Ryan. <laughs> I don't know her name. My daughter does. I know that sounds horrible, but there's a girl version of Ryan that's nowhere okay. near as big as him. Jillian, that's who she is. And um, there's yeah. Ryan, and and those are the guys. Uh, that's it. And people think, oh, we'll just do that. Well, it's done. You know, it's like you don't take a joke from another comedian that's already been done, or. Or even a premise. You can't go into a comedy club and do a single joke about Hot Pockets. No. <laughs> Jim okay? Gaffigan's got that. You can't do yeah. a single joke. Jim Gaffigan had that 10 years ago, and it still holds true. I don't care how good your new Hot Pocket joke is. I don't care if it's wrapped up with Corona, Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, China, Putin. If all of that stuff is inside of your Hot Pocket joke, they'll go, Gaffigan did that, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter anymore. He wrung everything out of that topic. And between the people that have done it before and the, I mean, there are major restrictions on YouTube right now. And no matter your political leanings, they're kicking people off. Uh, Whether you like to believe it or not, I've seen people on both sides get bumped off. And uh, you cannot... uh, count your chickens or your life or your paycheck right. on another person's platform. Yeah. You know, like you said, TikTok can disappear. They're trying to ban it in this whole country and other countries have banned it. So it could disappear and the money that these people are making yeah. are gone. You know, it's just like Vine, all the Vine stars, the smart ones jumped onto other platforms 
I know some very famous Vine stars that have done really well. One of them's in Canada. He's a great guy, was going to work with me on some stuff. When we started a Vine, started one with my youngest son, and it, it just closed. It's nuts. It, it folded up and ended, and that was the end of those videos. Would you recommend having your own site and your own control over your own content? Here's the thing. This is the kick in the butt. Right. You're not going to get the views there. You have to be on all of the other platforms. You have to play the games of all the other platforms. And then you have to have your stuff on so many platforms that if they kick you off for whatever reason, and I'm not saying it's always deserving. A lot of times it's not. uh, You can pivot to another one. Um, You know, if you get banned from Twitter, you can jump to Facebook. If you get banned from Facebook and you jump to YouTube, um, eventually you're going (laughs) to, there are some guys that are running out of options. Uh, because they have strong political views, but you just have to be able to pivot. You know, yeah. I can I have dadsos.com, but dadsos.com okay. yeah, 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 to my YouTube videos. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there is a site there, but when you're looking at stuff, it's mostly looking at YouTube. So if I lose that, then what am I gonna do? go to Vimeo where three people are? <laughs> or whatever the uh, the ones that YouTube uses now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Does your brain ever stop thinking of different ideas and different projects that you want to do and different ways to approach some of the stuff that you got going on? It does. I I think it takes little breaks. The, the last five months have been a real slog just because I have been doing the podcast. So I've had one creative thing out there, but you know, my head will jump to different things. You know, I'm, I'm building a bike for my son's uh, five or seven year old birthday a seven-year birthday that's coming up next week. So I'm working on building a dirt bike for him. Uh, it's just your creative stuff just goes into different places. But still, I like I said, I'll wake up at 3.30 in the morning and think of a joke. Okay. like, And it might not be good. <laughs> it's usually not <laughs> once you look back at it or or you look at it a year later and like, where what was that premise even about? Right. But I still have bits that I was doing before I adopted my kids that I've rewritten and added on to. And I'm not actively going to clubs right now, but I've rewritten them with how they fit into my life now. And I'm like, that, that's a better bit than it was then. So I guess something creative is always going on. Uh, and I've got lots of ideas that I haven't made happen. I have a really good podcast idea at the end of last year and was talking to another guy about doing it. But then I you know, there was technology, some additional technology involved in it. And it, it just would have taken a little too much work and relying on another person that I hadn't worked yeah, with at yeah, that yeah. point. So, you know, you just have to find the right fit sometimes. And I probably did, but then all the stuff happened. So it just became too much, right? too much trouble. So you put it on the back burner. So I think there's always something turning in my head. And, and then, like you said, I have to balance it. Can I balance it with my family? Not really, but I can at least try to work around both. So there's a lot of stuff that gets done after 930 at night. And there's a lot of stuff that I decide to incorporate my kids into because, yeah, you know, if I, I'm not being me, if I don't, uh, everybody, everybody that knows me in real life will always say, you've always got a kid with you. And a lot of times I'll have four <laughs> to give my wife a break. Yeah. I'll just have four. I go grocery shopping with four. And I've had moms come up to me and say, I've got two kids and I don't want to take them grocery shopping. Why are you taking four kids? I was like, oh, because I genuinely like to be around them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they're like, but don't you have to fuss at them about doing this in the store and running? 
yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I have to be an asshole. Sometimes I'm cool. Sometimes I'm an ogre. Sometimes we do ice cream. I, I got, I have four kids. What am I supposed to do? Pretend I don't have four kids. I just take them with me. And I've got one on the back of my motorcycle. I'm teaching one to ride the big motorcycle. I've got a little, you know, we're just going to, whatever. You know, I just, I always have one with me, at least one with me. So that's, that's my life. I genuinely like my kids most of the time. Most of the time. Well, uh, any parent that says they like their kids all the time is a liar. Yeah. 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 Or, 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 or they have something deep within them that's a problem, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that they need somebody to constantly fill that. Uh, but realistically, you can't like anybody 24-7. No. It's, it's impossible. I don't like myself 24-7. So that's- oh, no, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think is one of the things that you've learned most about yourself through your journey between the stand-up, the kids, the videos, and the podcast that you're doing? Well, I, I'm probably needy. Um, <laughs> like I said, I always have one around with me. So maybe I just need laughs. Uh, I'm desperate for a laugh. Um, and some people are listening going, well, you're not getting in here. <laughs> uh, that's fine. I'm not for everybody. Uh, no, I, I am. I, I knew going into stand up like, oh, I'm desperate for a laugh at a party or anything like that. And the, the funny thing is I can be the guy that sits in the corner of a party and, and then people come at you the other way and they're like, why are you being so quiet? Right. Why are you in a bad mood? It's like, oh, I'm allowed to turn this off. And I can like a light switch. Boom, boom. I don't, I don't drink alcohol at parties because I don't need it. I don't need it to feel comfortable. I don't need it to feel happy. I don't need it to feel... I can flip this on and off at will, uh, minute to minute, hour to hour. It doesn't need... But I, I do eventually crave that. Um, I'm not patient. I've learned that about myself. People think I'm a great dad because of the stuff that I post online. It's all fake. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's not all fake. But the the peacefulness of it, the... I have it togetherness of it. Like I write about how I'm a horrible dad. There's a video out there that is, I failed as a, or I'm a fraud as a father. I think that's what it's titled. And uh, you find that on YouTube and hate me on it. Like some people (laughs) have in the comment, I'm saying horrible things about myself. And they're like, yeah, you really suck. I'm like, all right. Uh, That was the premise (laughs) um, uh, that I feel like a fraud. So I I realize I have no patience. Uh, I realize I have to apologize to my children for bad behavior, which I never got as a kid from my parents. Um, You know, I have one of those, I don't apologize dads, no matter if he did it right or wrong. Right. Um, Especially wrong. (laughs) So yeah, I, I realize I'm a horrible person. I've realized I'm not for everybody that you realize on stage where you can have you know, 80 people laughing and there's one guy in the audience up front that's not laughing and that's the only guy you're looking at. Right. And and then you start just grinding to make that guy laugh and then you start getting angry and it's not just a thing within me. I know plenty of comics. So, and you just, you fixate on that guy. It's like people that have motorcycle accidents. <laughs> Motorcycling is very similar to comedy. If you stare at a truck coming around a corner, you hit the truck. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's object fixation. So my dad did this. He he wrecked because he was in a curve and he was worried about the truck that was coming on the opposite, you know, the mm-hmm. opposite way. And you stare at that object, you are going to hit the object. Not every time, not for great riders, but for people that aren't good at it or people that haven't practiced, you fixate on that object. And and comedy is the same way. The longer you do it, the more you do it, you just learn to don't fixate on that guy. Just look at where you're coming out. So that's what you're supposed to do in a motorcycle. You're supposed to 
look at where you're coming out of the turn. So you don't actually look where you're at. Right. You don't look right in front of your bike. You look like 200 yards away or, or 100 yards away where the curve is going to be and where you're going to be. And your body will just take you there. It's an automatic thing, like an S curve. You look from one end of the S to the other end. And that's where you'll end up. But if you fixate on that truck, you're going to hit that truck. So that's what I'm trying to do is fixate on the right things. Fixate on getting off of my ass off the couch and do stuff with the kids outside, even when I've worked all day and I feel tired. Yeah. So um, riding a bike when I don't want to. Uh, trying to go to the gym, which I have utterly failed lately, <laughs> but they've been closed for four months. Um, you know, uh, going to the lake with my kids and getting on a kayak when I could just sit and watch some Netflix. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to just like in comedy or just like when I'm riding my motorcycle, I'm trying to fixate on the right place, um, you know, on the exit point. And when you're in a pain moment in your life, I would say that's a great thing to do is fixate on the exit point, just like an S curve. You're starting at the bottom of the S you're exiting at the top of the S. Eventually, the road's going to straighten out. So you fixate on that one spot, and that's where you'll end up. Because sometimes if you fixate on the stuff and the curves, you fixate on the other objects, you're going to hit them, and they're roadblocks. Yep. And, and some of them hurt yeah. <laughs> a lot. Do you so, find yourself trying to steal time for yourself to where you can keep yourself sane even though you have all this stuff going on? I, I'll, I'll be on. It sounds like I'm being like the selfless uh I don't, I really try to spend as much time as I can with my kids and, and the wife. Um, just because I, I think that I'm not going to have those eventually, you know, I got, I got my son at five and my daughter at three. I lost seven years, Yeah, you know, I'm already seven years in the hole. So, you know, we did a 24 hour trip and 30 hours to New Hampshire together. We slept in a car together. You know, we ran through <laughs> you know, convenience stores during a pandemic and we drove through New York City. You know, I'm obviously desperate to spend time with this kid. So <laughs> yeah, I I try not to steal away hours. The, recently, I have stolen time on the motorcycle, but I kind of feel like I'm stealing time from them doing that. So even then I want to take one of them with me yeah. so that at least I can justify it to myself. But now I, I tried... No, I don't want the alone time. I'd rather be holding one of my daughters or my son's hands on the couch and watching a stupid show they like that I hate. <laughs> you know, I will sit through the descendants again. I hate it. It sucks. It doesn't make sense. Plot wise, it's horrible. Um, and all of it's lip sync. So, no, I, I hate it. I despise it. But my four-year-old daughter loves it. So what do you do? You put on a purple wig with her and you sit on the couch and you watch a stupid movie. There you go. You got you to like it. What do you think keeps you driven the most to continue to pursue your creative outlets while having everything else with the, the family? Eh, it's just ego. I mean, I'm honest about it. Um, it's ego. You can say it's a lot of things, but I, I, I've always felt like I recognize when I'm an asshole or if I don't, my wife will tell me, but I do recognize, recognize that I, I am that person and I try to not be a hypocrite as much as possible. I, I know I fail at it, but I try not to be. So I, I think that is the one thing as comics, we, and, and not going up on stage constantly, I still say comic about myself because it's how I approach every other project anyway, right. and it's how my brain still works. Uh, I think that the people that are the most honest about who they are 
are a lot of comics. And you just got to look that way. It's ego, though. I mean, let's just be honest about the nuts and bolts. My brain's broken. And I need, you know, stupid approval and laughter from people. And the reason I do other projects is because of that. But I do think that there is some ambition to it as well. Um, And a person that doesn't have ambition is disappointing, I'll say to me. You know, when my kids lack ambition, my kid says, I want to be the, I'm too hard on my son. He says, I'm going to be, I want to be the best skateboard player or uh, skateboard player. (laughs) I'm sorry. He wants to be the best guitar player and skateboarder there is. I meant to say guitar player and skateboarder. And I'm like, uh, so why are you watching this episode of Yu-Gi-Oh that we've seen six times? You know, what are you doing? It's sunny outside. You know, when it's 75 degrees, why aren't you skateboarding? Why aren't you in there learning guitar? The, The amount of guitar teaching and knowledge that there is out there has never been as much as it is at this moment. Eric Clapton figured out how to play based on listening to the radio and plucking his guitar and figuring out how to do what those guys did. Yeah. Just through a guitar. He, he says he never had, if he wasn't at school, his guitar was always in his hand. That's how Eric Clapton became such a guitar player that people would spray paint Clapton as God on walls. And I'm like, you're watching this Yu-Gi-Oh episode you've seen five times. If you want to be great at being you know, playing guitar, go play guitar. And then I feel like I'm forcing him to do something that he says he wants to do. And yeah, that's a whole yeah, whole yeah. thing. So it, there is some ambition that has, has to go into it. Um, so I guess I'm over ambitious <laughs> and uh, <laughs> egotistical. I think that, and I think if more people were honest, that would be some of what they said. I like it. I think that's a good ending point. That, that's solid. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right.